Hello and welcome to episode number 256 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Have we done this before? Um, Not this specific one. Very similar. Yeah. Spawn I had a conversation about Fish really recently. We did and it was a very positive one. Um, A movie that we very much enjoyed on Netflix last week. And now we get to talk about part two because this, of course, is the middle chapter of the trilogy, um, which is pretty unheard of. We found ourselves in the middle of a trilogy. Like we've never done this before definitely not Ooh. have we covered like a new trilogy back to back before um and yeah we had a lot of hype going into this, this this one we had a lot of questions about kind of what would be the format um mm. post part one um but we'll get to all that stuff shortly um because yeah kicking things off with the news there really isn't too much this week there's kind of one big news story we can talk about and then just a, a couple of little small ones one which i just found really funny so i put it in there um <laughs> But FriFest have kind of done a lot of their big announcements um, mm. for their upcoming event, but not all of them, um, which we will get into. So kind of the stuff that we do know right now, um, we already knew that, that it was going ahead at the you know traditional Cineworld Leicester Square venue, um, the same dates as always, the kind of bank holiday weekend. So Thursday, August 27th through to the Monday. Um mm-hmm. That's all we've known that for a very long time. Um, but they have now announced the kind of first 25 movies that are going to be shown at the festival. Um, this isn't the full slate. Um, I'm pretty sure this is just the main screen films. Um, obviously, for people that have, have listened to our coverage over the last few years, you will know that it's kind of you have the main screen stuff and then you have like what the discovery strands and the first yeah. blood screens. And that's mostly when you go to the Prince Charles cinema, you know, one of our all time favorite cinemas and where we've had most of our fun, I would say, at Fright Fest. Um, and so those movies haven't been announced yet. So <laughs> um, <laughs> we will we will keep our eyes peeled for them. But yeah. Yeah, the kind of the 20 movies are on the main screen right now. (laughs) Yeah, um, because, yeah, it's very difficult to fill a film festival, especially when they've already done like multiple digital events. um, And obviously you now have the case of they're in a way harder predicament now than they were last year, because last year you had movies that were complete, whereas you have obviously you have movies that are complete, but you also have a lot of movies that were trying to get done in the midst of a pandemic. Um, Mm -hmm. So God knows how they're able. I thought I fully expected it to be a shortened, you know, schedule. Yeah, I'm Um, I'm impressed that they've like got the full, you know, schedule that, planned (laughs) for sure um and the fact that there is quite not quite a lot but there was definitely at least four or five movies that i was at least aware of um and one of which we've already seen um so Mm. uh so may as well say that straight away yeah sound of violence is there um Mm -hmm. which is great we kind of uh chatted to the director and he had mentioned that he was trying to get some screenings involved in the uk um yeah and that is awesome because, yeah, to see that on that ginormous uh, screen in Leicester Square, it's going to be great. Um, yeah, that, that movie is a banger. And if anyone is going to Fright Fest, then, then yeah, that should be top of your list to go see for sure. For sure. And so, yeah, I think I wanted to discuss. Um, so kicking the festival off is the movie that I definitely heard of the most, um, which mm. is Demonic. Um, it is the kind of latest movie from Neil Blomkamp, um, mm. kind of obviously most famously of District 9. Um, and yeah, he shot this in a secret last summer. Um, the write up says uh, Blomkamp takes us on a unique voyage into a world terrifyingly similar to our own as he expertly juggles a thought provoking crossover between a forward thinking science fiction and a high tech horror, um, which that just speaks to me on so many levels um and yeah, very much like sounds like 
<laughs> if, if someone was to say to me, could you write a plot for a movie for Matt? I feel like I'd <laughs> yeah. go for that. It's pretty close, yeah, especially with my recent Cronenberg uh, kick. This could have mm. come at a better time. Um, but yeah, this was already on my radar. I think uh, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is getting a somewhat wide release around this time anyway. I had already penciled in sort of mid to end of August for Demonic, um, whether or not that was going to be UK or not, who the hell knows. Mm. Um, so this does line up with that. So um, that's great. Um, another one I want, wanted to mention is a movie called Off Season, um, starring one richard brake um and this is also from director mickey keaton who we've kind of seen a couple of his movies um carnage park we covered for the show um and we also saw uh, psychopaths uh, our first fright first uh, uh, I, and, I kind of remember that movie <laughs> yeah and it's weird at the time when psychopaths come out he was a director that was known on the indie circuit for, for just pumping stuff out and it was like his volume was so impressive where he was basically putting a movie out at least every single year mm. um and since that point i think that was like four maybe five years ago like he has took the time away and so like i'm very excited to see what comes next mm -hmm. from him um so very much got my eyes peeled for this one um and then another random one as well is uh prisoners of the ghostland uh starring nick cage um mm. and also bill mosley and looking at the screenshots and hearing from this one it is what you'd want from a current nick cage movie it looks ridiculously you know crazy violence nick cage being mental and over the top this like ludicrous plot um it looks like a lot of fun um, he's on a real tear right now have you seen that other nick cage movie that's coming out yes pig yes i so yeah. i nearly put that in the news a couple of times and didn't and then having you know it's i think it is i think that's coming out soon in august yeah. and because I, um, I thought it might have been at fright fest because i think it is an august 20th yeah. release date like on imdb and i was like hmm i wonder like if august there. 20th for films is kind of like you know how every video game placeholder yeah, is like end of april mm. like is august 20th that for films because i have that date for so many films written in my little log of like upcoming films but um it was fright fest you know <laughs> but uh yeah pig does look great um looks ridiculous but fun and is getting really good reviews as well mm. so um i'm very intrigued and i'm glad you brought that up actually because yeah i wanted to mention that um yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I feel like that that bleeds the lines enough for us to have to do it for the show. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, kind of. So the last bit of news with this is obviously the yeah, that was just a couple of the movies that I like the look of of the 25 that they've, they've announced. Um, as mm. I said before, the kind of Discovery and First Blood strands yet to be announced. Also, rather curiously, when the passes and tickets go on sale is yet to be announced. Um, <laughs> as of 13th of July, we don't know when the tickets have gone on sale, but I have a feeling it has something to do with <laughs> something that's happening next week in the uh, mm -hmm. political sphere. Um, as well as the short film showcases, special events, this year's guest list, and this is really important, the makeup of our digital event. Um, so mm. they are doing a digital event. It is not the same event. It will run the week after. So from Wednesday the 1st until Sunday the 5th of September, um, they are doing a, a different digital event, which you would assume would have different films. So like mm. they are doing a lot here. Um, and it's very intriguing. And obviously, as I just hinted at the kind of, will this go ahead with what restrictions are still up in the air? But like, you know, we've kind of discussed it off air and we love Fright Fest and it's always been something that we'd love going to. But it's pr this is probably not something we're going to go to this year, is it? Probably not. I think it's just not the right time for us right now. Mm. And I think as well, it's just the cinema in general right now is so hype. Um, mm. There is a certain major release that is coming out that weekend, which which 
you know, it is one of my most anticipated movies for us to see for the podcast. Um, you can so say its name. <laughs> I, I can only say it four times, though. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah, Candyman comes out that weekend, mm. and it's just, I can't imagine sitting there and having to talk about Fright and having to look at Fright Fest movies, knowing that Candyman is in that theatre being shown. Yeah. And it's like, that sucks. That timing really sucks, but... Candyman is a film I've been so excited about for so long. Um, but um, but I'm really glad that it's there. And I think the movies that they have got, I think the opener sounds like a really cool movie. I think everything that you've discussed there sound like mm. cool movies that I want to see. You know, a Nick Cage movie with him being Nick Cage. Hell yeah. Richard Brake being in a movie. Hell yeah. Like, you know, they're, they're, they've got their kind of decent movies. You know, it'll be interesting to see the Discovery thing. I think the the biggest... I, like there's a lot of question marks that you've gone through there. Obviously the tickets, I'm not too surprised. I can see that, you know, they're letting the dust settle when they know for certain pull the trigger, they'll go on sale beginning of August and that'll be <laughs> fine. But the usual mess of getting tickets, I'm sure. Yeah. With um, only a free week a period to, you know, for people like us, for example, we yeah, need to get travel mm. and accommodation in London, um, yeah. which is yeah. tricky. And then, you know, but the the discovery screens not being announced straight away, like if the, we don't get the follow up message about that, um, I I personally feel like the digital event will be very much the discovery screen films if mm. the main fright fest doesn't go ahead, and that's why they haven't pulled the trigger on either announcement yet fully because we do not know one hundred percent whether this event is happening, and um, it seems like it will, and and yeah when it does get fully announced, do those discovery films get taken away from the digital event? And what is the digital event or are the discovery films and the digital event very much the same thing, which would be a massive thing for us that if those discovery films are in the digital event, when they're the films that we do get quite hyped about, because they're predominantly the films that a, we've had a lot of success with that you speak about, but B we don't ever get the chance to see again um that uh what was it red letter day that we saw yeah. like where where was the release for that movie i thought that was a <laughs> great little movie like it's got a crazy expensive blu-ray that i'm not sure is even region our region mm. and that's all i've seen for that you know and it's like the, the discovery screen is our one chance to not only see them on the big screen uh is is our one chance to maybe even see them in the uk so i really like that discovery screen for that and potentially the digital event yeah, even the digital event last year. What was that French movie that we saw that like we loved the anthology movie? And then like I can't remember, but yeah, it, it, it's because it, it had a really vague title, and it was mm. it was literally something like horror stories, like yeah, it was stories so or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but like I've tried to find out about that, and especially because that was like a TV show that got edited mm. into a movie, and like it's so hard. Where I'm like, surely that's on Netflix or somewhere that I can give it another watch, but it's so hard to track down. Um, but yeah, I pretty much echo everything you've said. And like, especially with how late this is being organized, dark it is difficult. Stories. Dark stories, man. I never would have got to that. Um, <laughs> you, were, you were almost there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like with how late this is all coming together, it's a lot of time and money to commit. Mm -hmm. And then like you said as well, like Candyman is something that I've waited for for so long. And it is just one tiny step down from last night in soho is by far my most anticipated movies of the year mm. and so it would be so almost disingenuous and like you say just weird to be like we're going to talk about 10 movies 
in the space of a week and then we'll get to the movie that we're like arguably the most hyped about in the last two years um so yeah. that is weird timing as well um i think it would be difficult not to be bitter about the movies we would be talking about if we knew we were missing Candyman. it would just be like this kind of thing where it's like well it was good but we could have seen Candyman, mm. you know and it's just we i just can't do that to those movies either for sure like i'm 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 really looking forward to closely following Fright Fest still so we can get a big slate of movies to catch up on when we do eventually get a chance to see them. And I think that will be the fun thing looking at this. That was exactly what I was going to um, say. Yeah, even the movies that I've just picked out, they're already on my radar. And then, well, yeah. yeah, I'll do the usual kind of see the people that are going. There's plenty of our community that do go and I want to hear from people that are going to Fright Fest. Yeah. And then, yeah, those recommendations will go straight on my list. And whenever they become available across all different platforms, you know, Arrow, have a, have a good history of picking up fright fest films a lot of them end up on shudder um there's that there's the um fright fest presents label like there's so many ways that these movies do come out now post fright fest which is awesome and so yeah like it just adds to that list like you say and, it, and we won't be in that predicament that we had last year where and i never want to be in that predicament again and it's the only time we've ever had it in five years of doing the show where it's literally like what are we going to do this week and yeah. that is like a horrible feeling and you know we should have done the ranking wes craven stuff more last year um but yeah, I feel like we're not going to have that problem going forward because of events like Fright Fest. So, and like I say, I still want to cover this. Um, I'm still excited, you know, for when they announce this digital stuff um, and see what see what that's like as well. But uh, yeah, that was like clearly I'm the biggest miss the Arrow booth though. Oh I'm gonna yeah, miss, I'm going to miss spending 20 hours looking at the which Blu-rays to pick up and um, then buying more than I anticipated. Yeah, my bank balance isn't going to miss it, um, but yeah. my joy and, yeah, my heart is definitely going to miss it for sure. Because I'm pretty sure as well, like, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure that Dune crazy edition comes out that weekend. Really? I'm so glad we're not going. If I saw it in person, I'm going to be like, just take my fucking money. Like, <laughs> um, But, uh, yeah, moving on, these next two are just very small little hits. Um, the Witcher Season 2 has a release date. Um, it is coming back this year, which is nice, um, and it is back on the 17th of December um so just want to throw that in there very much enjoyed the first season was a great kind of fantasy tv show um and it kind of it, it's one of those things obviously with stranger things being like the elephant in the room with netflix of like yeah, every time they announce a new show well, i'm like well it's not going to be near this one even though you know netflix are the hardest company predict because they are absolute psychos and they could put out stranger things like a day before um but because I'd always I'd always predicted that Stranger Things would be a holiday event because of what happened mm. in the show. I always I always thought it would take place mm. between Thanksgiving and Christmas, um, which that could still happen. You know, it could come out December first, and and two weeks is plenty enough time to breathe breathe before The Witcher. Um, but we shall see on that one. And then lastly, very small, um, the kind of the Emmy nominations came out today. And one hilarious thing happened, which I have to mention. But I just wanted to give shout outs to both WandaVision and The Mandalorian for absolutely killing it. Um, 23 oh, yeah. nominations for WandaVision, which is incredible because a lot of people had worried yeah. it would be snubbed. Um, and it got all of the main things, kind of best limited series. But then most importantly, Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany and Catherine Hahn all nominated for acting in their respective categories they are all incredible in the show as more time goes on i only have more love for the show um and of course mandalorian is epic as well and then just very funny falcon and the winter soldier was also eligible um it was nominated for five emmys which is still respectable one emmy it was nominated for i don't did you see this for guest actor in a in a limited series i believe it is don Cheadle. 
No, I didn't see that. <laughs> Which, as you'll remember, was on screen for 95 seconds in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's in crazy. one incredibly forgettable scene in episode one. <laughs> yeah, did, did he just, like, have a little chat with with um falcon with yeah with sam yeah like when he little, gives up like when little, he gives like, up the shield like, yeah you got the shield bro and he's like yeah i gave it the shield bro he's like sweet and then he just like walked off yep that's literally Damn. it that's, that's and go, go get those awards <laughs> yeah it's great for him like he already <laughs> tweeted about it as well basically saying look i'm happy but i don't know how this happened as well um so shout out to him for being self-aware but yeah it was just funny it was just like you, this is a perfect example of what these award ceremonies are, which is that you always have to take it with a grain of salt because they clearly have their favorites. And it's great if you're a favorite of someone mm. that we like um, because they clearly like Don and they should like Don because he's great. But being nominated for 95 seconds of, of on-screen time is you, ridiculous. You were, saying, you were saying all the right things. A, a Disney <laughs> yeah. Plus TV show, a one-episode cameo. Uh, I was yeah. thinking that little Mandalorian cameo, Richard's getting his nom, and then, and then what happens? yeah he was definitely on screen for more than 95 seconds um (laughs) so yeah it was just funny but listen it's great and shout out to wandavision for killing it um but yeah that is the news for this week shall we Mm -hmm. talk about this week's film let's do it let's talk about fear street part 2 So yeah, kind of where to begin with this one? Um, I think you should say the movie name again because it's uh, it re- really rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't want to. Um, so part two. Um, basically, yeah, we talked about part one last week very briefly. Huge fans mm-hmm. of it. They kind of nailed a lot of what they were going for with the kind of 90s slasher influence. Um, and then heading into this, we had a lot of questions, which are answered pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess... I mean, they were well, they were answered by me last week yes in a, in a quick what do you think they'll do and uh, apparently we uh, predicted it spot on um unfortunately in some ways but um so i get so in terms of spoilers we're not going to like flat out spoil i guess all of part one no, but like it's going to be, be very bit, hard to not mention it i think i'll be a bit careful and and we will just briefly touch on what happens in the opening of this film and then go into mm. what the the main crux of this film is but um yeah I think but at this think, point you should have watched part, or part one. <laughs> yeah, um, but but to be fair, I think I can really just say that the surviving characters from mm. part one um, are continuing their journey and they're trying to find out um, the the kind of history of the witch. Uh, what, what the hell's her name? Mary Jane or something? Sarah, Sarah Jane. Fear. Sarah, Jane, Sarah Fear. Yeah, something like that. Sarah Fear. That sounds right. Um, and basically, they are trying to lift the curse of Seraphir, and uh, they receive at the end of the last movie a mystery phone call from the survivor of the 1978 Shadyside Massacre. Um, mm. I was not very clear what her character name was when we were introduced to her in the current modern-day timeline. Um, I think that was intentional. Yeah, and I'm not quite sure what she was kind of introduced as, but then she basically, we get a little bit of her saying that, you know, what happened in the curse, and then we get kind of what I expected about five minutes in. She sits down with kind of a yearbook, uh, photo book, kind of saying, 
this is the year that uh shit went down at summer camp and uh here's my story and we kind of get sucked into the book and teleported back to 1978 and um pretty much the rest of the movie is her story of um uh yeah what happened in summer camp in 1978 so our kind of lead characters are is it cindy and ziggy basically yeah um, Ziggy, yeah, they're the two sisters, right? Yeah, Ziggy played by Sadie, uh, Sadie Sink, who is uh, obviously known from Stranger Things. Um, and um, yeah, kind of, they are two sisters. They are Shady Siders. Yeah. And it, the summer camp is hilariously got Shady Side and Sunny Side very much just competing at all given moments. Um, and uh the rivalry is still there from the first movie um and we we slowly get reintroduced to the witch's curse and uh very slowly get introduced to the witch's curse and very slowly get introduced to kind of the killer from you know this time period 1978 and it's mm. kind of for the most part more of a traditional slasher than than what part 1 was because part one kind of did evolve into something a bit more quite quickly. And we did start to see that. Whereas this movie does kind of become more of a slasher predominantly and then mm. becomes what part one was more like towards the end, um, which took a little bit of getting used to back to that point. But, um, but yeah, yeah most, most of this is just the traditional like one killer setup, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, most of this killer, it, most of this, this movie is that with this one killer and kind of, um, you know, uh, the 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 Friday the 13th version of their um, homage to Scream. I think it's, you know, not... I mean, it, it does get overtly homage towards the end. It's kind of like when we see who the killer is and what he becomes, which was kind of hilarious. We'll get to that point. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then, and then kind of going into kind of the whole part of this movie, kind of not to go into spoilers, but we, we get our end of 1978 and then we get a little bit continuing the story of the modern day stuff which we might touch mm. on at the end if we do go into spoilers but it's kind of pretty much by the book what we kind of said that this is probably how they're going to go um mm. last week and and yeah it was exactly how they went um but yeah i don't know if you want to go into kind of what you thought about um this uh hour and 50 minutes yeah, well, I want to pick up exactly from that point, which is like it was unfortunately what we had feared um, because we had said kind of it's difficult. Like the, mm. the way part one ended with the character's story still to be told, you know, speaking for my own and I think for you as well, like we were shocked that, that wasn't resolved. I fully expected almost mm. like anthologies of just, well, it's the same town and place, but it is going to be completely fresh characters and it's all going to be in 1978. Whereas the fact that that movie ended on such a big cliffhanger, you're like, man, are they really just going to have like, we're going to meet this survivor for 10 minutes. She's then going to tell her backstory for well over an hour and 20 minutes. And then there's going to be five minutes at the end. And mm. that is like legit exactly the way this movie is paced which was shocking to me because mm. i really thought they would at least try and splice little moments and they could have fun little almost um breaking the wall type moments where yeah. a character would question part of the story and they'd be like hey you weren't there this is how i saw it and they could have a bit more fun with that and yeah. it wasn't I wanted that it to be more modern 
in that yeah point. it just wasn't that at all it's the second she starts telling the story and it is i get like i don't want to get too much into minutia because i do get frustrated when people have this as a point but kind of when you're getting to the point of like oh and then i'm then telling these these young adults or kids or whatever you want to call them that like then there's this shithead counselor who's fucking her boyfriend when i walk in on them it's kind of like did you really need to add that part of the story like we're here to talk mm. about the witch's curse <laughs> and like all this other stuff which is just not relevant which obviously you know if you if you're watching the movie it's fine but if you think of it from like a storytelling device it's it's preposterous but anyway yeah. that's a whole other thing it's, it's um, kind of funny though because like i think you could have just given us a short version where you're like shit went down a lot of people died and i survived now where's the fucking hand like yeah 100 you know I mean? <laughs> like uh, like my my girlfriend is possessed and is in the trunk of my car can you please cut to the to the punch yeah. line? <laughs> it's like when you're um, trying to get a story off your nan and you're like yeah. just tell me the just tell me the goddamn story like yeah three other stories told i just want the one thing you started off telling me <laughs> yeah you're just like it's been 70 years like it was it is preposterous but anyway yeah. get into the actual meat of the story um man it's a difficult one um because i didn't <laughs> i didn't hate this film um but i didn't like it too much either i was i was soured by it um especially the runtime which is preposterous I couldn't believe this was longer than the first film, um, given <laughs> how much of the first film was setting up what I thought yeah, was everything else. Side, side, yeah, the witch curse. Yeah, like they were they were setting up stuff that happens mm. in sixteen sixty six in the first film. Mm. So I thought, great, we've got rid of the backstory. I fully know what to happen. We're going to get a lean two eighty minute films after this. Well, this is longer, and I've already looked it up. And part three is even longer than part two. Oh. Um, which is mind-boggling. Um, but the the, the runtime is a problem because you get to this camp, they're setting up who the characters are, and it's immediately prevalent that they're just no, none of them are anywhere near as interesting or as endearing as the characters from the first film. And that was always going to be an issue when you created such likable characters in part one. And we even said that last week with our speculation of like, are they really going to say, oh, here's these characters that you really love from last week's movie. And then you're supposed to just forget about them for an hour and 20 minutes. And mm. turns out that's exactly what happened. And I thought that was a risk and I thought it didn't work um, because I ultimately was just, I wanted the 1978 stuff to just hurry up. And that's a shame because some of it's great. Like some of it's great, some of it's really not great. Um, as we discussed, kind of the the um, secondary characters here in particular, I found to be atrocious. Um, I think her name's Alice, who is kind of the bad counselor. Um, she is awful as a character, and yeah. she has the most shitty, boring redemption arc that's so predictable from the moment you lay eyes on her that you know this is going to go one way and it takes up so much time between her and cindy especially when they get trapped in this area together that just goes on forever and i was bored out of my mind during these scenes and then during the course of that they're trying to keep you engaged by having a fairly active killer 
Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things I had actually seen prior to watching it, like on the Friday, was oh, this one's got more of a body count than the first movie. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting because not that I thought the the first movie didn't have a body count, but we had discussed it, hadn't we, with our pacing, yeah. um, and said that it didn't necessarily have a kill every twenty minutes, but when it did, it delivered it well. Um, this movie has a lot of kills. But a lot of the kills are just so inconsequential to the point where they're actually off screen, um, well, which is a big issue in this film, I thought. It's a big issue because the most of the kids in this movie are kids. Yeah. They are, you know, two or three years younger, at least, than our kind of core cast from, from the first movie. Yeah. And so you can't kill like 10 kids that young on screen. No. It's just it's just something that you just can't do in a horror movie, and so that's why they all get massacred off screen, um, yeah. which is you know a choice that they made, and it's a mm. choice that kind of ultimately they makes the movie you know less entertaining. If they'd have all been aged up a bit more, we could have you know seen it more, and and you know because obviously that's what the genius of Friday the Thirteenth was is that we don't have the kids there. Mm-hmm. It's the counsellors in the week before prepping and getting ready. So it's all adults. Um, and that's kind of, you know, what we've always seen with a Friday the 13th, that it's pretty much the adults at the camp. It's never really kids. It is um, funny because I do think this almost retroactively answers the question as yeah. to why that would have been a problem. Because I always thought to myself, and, I, and it's something that I wanted to give the movie credit for, but then ultimately is this problem with the kills of like, I love that you saw the kids at the camp mm. because that is always the case of where you have the young adults who are kind of just want to get high and have sex, but they're the ones who are the camp counsellors who are supposed, supposed to be the senior figures when they're only like young teens themselves. Mm. And then they're looking after people people that are like maybe five five years or so younger than them and but you never like there is obviously some of those classic movies that deal with that but like yeah when i think of friday the 13th and obviously that's the reason why like jason is born because through the flashbacks but like Mm. that's not the bulk of those movies and so when we are introduced to like a shit ton of younger characters especially um uh, Ziggy which we'll get to because when I first saw uh, Sadie from Stranger Things in this I kind of mm. thought like man she's a bit young to be kind of fulfilling that like you know yeah. teenage older teenager camp counselor type role and then it, clearly she's not she's like more in the in-between age um mm. but so I was really happy to see all the kids and especially the, the whole color war stuff I thought would could have been awesome where they basically have like they split it up and it is to do with that kind of like you said shady side sunny veil type thing they have yeah. like red t-shirts blue t-shirts and it is almost like a big game of like hide and seek basically had a, had a little bit of a child's play three flashback and was like yes. this, this could be good exactly and like that is great because you immediately have a reason for a bunch of kids to be hiding you have a reason for people to kind of be like no listen the game's over you need to come with me and that like not relying on you and not believing you and being like oh you just want to win the game screw you and like i love that as an element to a Mm. slasher um and they do do a little bit of that but then yeah the fact that it is the killer running shop um and just killing people completely off screen with a blood splatter i was just kind of like ugh this is so lame and while i'm talking about the kills like there is such an over-reliance on cg in this movie like there it was it was definitely there in part one but it just it wasn't that noticeable whereas hair i feel like there wasn't a single kill that was practical and the effects don't look good they're stretched way too thin here like i talked about an effect in the first 
part that I didn't think looked good when when you know in the bathroom uh, mm. stall. But like that that was just one moment in the movie that you couldn't really do without CG properly. Whereas like just general killings with an axe, like come on, people have been doing it on a shoestring budget for like four years at this point. So like if you're creative, you can find a way to make it look decent. Um, and they also fell in that trap of just making everything super dark like the second half of this story in 1978 is it basically takes place all through the night and it's so goddamn dark i was getting so annoyed with how the shitty lighting in this was like two characters are trapped in a really dark area you then have a bunch of kids hiding from the killer killer in dark areas the entire camp is just like really poorly lit anyway like i don't know about you but i really get annoyed when and we've talked about this loads obviously and that's why like a movie like midsummer is like the biggest f you ever to these poorly lit films <laughs> um which i love so much for that but yeah i just found this movie to be so poorly lit um there's a lot more about about this movie that irks me um but i want to get your take on it overall as well um yeah so i mean the movie you know the the 1978 the part of this movie starts and i have the exact same problem as you that the, the cast just none of them are good you know or i i recognize sadie and like her from stranger things but mm. her character is so similar this kind of moody character that I just didn't find it great. Cause I'm like, I just want you in stranger things. I don't really care about you in this. And then like everyone else just has nothing kind of Cindy is like the, the quintessential kind of, I'm trying to be a good girl, but I have this boyfriend and I'm doing all these other things. And it's just like, you know, she is just so frustrating. You know, you touched upon Alice and her whole arc is frustrating. The, the boyfriend character, Tommy, is just very obvious. And just none of them are likable. There's not a single one of them that that I cared about at all like I did Dina and Sam. Mm. You know, not not even remotely close. And so... Um, yeah, let alone the secondary characters in part one that were yeah, fantastic as well. Exactly. Exactly. So just the through arc of this movie was I was like, okay, well, we need a body count then because I just don't care about any of these. Um, And it takes so long to get reintroduced to the kind of um, the witch and how kind of that all kicks off. And we start to see people kind of slowly getting possessed. And I'm like, right, come on, keep looking at my watch. And then it slowly happens and slowly happens. And and then when it does start and we finally have a killer and the, the killing kind of starts, it's like maybe 40 odd minutes into the movie. And for the next kind of half an hour, we get all of these off camera kills of all of the young kind of kids. And it's kind of like the there's a real funny moment in the movie where basically pretty much all the kids leave on a bus mm. <laughs> and they're like, let's get rid of those. Now we can go R on this. And it yeah. was kind of like at that point, we've only got counselors left. And then we start to get some decent kills, albeit extremely CG. Um, and, and therefore, yeah, in my opinion, not as good. But at least we start to see some stuff. And um, I still don't care about anyone. And I don't really care about the witch or the curse. And I'm just kind of in it for the ride. And then I think the last kind of. 10 minutes, not to go into spoilers, but the last kind of 10 minutes of the cat and mouse, I did actually quite enjoy. I thought the finale was quite violent and mm -hmm. quite, even though it was very CG, it was very violent and very 
shocking to me again and gave me a throwback to the opening scene of the first movie. I found it, um, yeah, very violent and, and yeah, took, took me back and then kind of they setting up, then they, then they have a little bit setting up the third movie and I'm like, okay, that's, that's kind of cool, I guess. But yeah, overall it was a massive drop off for me. I think kind of, um, I think watching these two movies back to back, I think kind of when we watched, um, 1994, um, it reminded me of how I have nostalgia and want to see movies set in the early nineties. And mm. that's cool to me. And to see that time period, because it's now like retro, like the, what the eighties and seventies were in the nineties, I guess. And, it's and it hasn't like, been done to death yet. Either. It, yeah, exactly. So it's like, I was like, Oh, this is really cool. Like, look, a Walkman or whatever. And, I'm, <laughs> and it's just like, you know, I was having a good time being in that time period. When I got to 1978, I just feel like I've seen that all a million times because I have. And um, it just wasn't like anything that original. Mm. I think if you actually take the 1978 part of this movie, um, you know, of this you know middle movie, it, it it's just a very generic, here's Friday the 13th kind of-ish, you know. And it's just kind of like it's not a great version of that. Um, so, so yeah, I, you know, I, I, I did enjoy the last 20 minutes. I think that got exciting again, but it took, you know, when it takes an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 20 minutes to get to that point, I was very bored. Um, and then it, you know, it took me kind of a chunk of that good time to actually get back into the movie. Mm. Um, so yeah, I ultimately found it more frustrating than enjoyable. Yeah, I think I'm there as well. I wanted to talk about the title because, like, they obviously pick these dates for a reason and they're very mm. purposeful. And I wonder, like, did they did they genuinely call this one 1978 just because that sounds cooler than 1980? Because this mm. entire movie is a, is a parody slash homage to Friday the 13th. It is mm. not a parody or homage to Halloween, yeah. it, it, as far as I can tell um so i'm like why didn't you just call this 1980 because everything about this so apparently they even filmed it on the same kind of camp slash lake that one of the friday the 13th sequels was filmed at mm. and and, it, and there's obviously a shit ton of homages throughout the entire mm. movie so like clearly this is their take on friday the 13th there really isn't that much in here that i that even remotely reminds me of halloween so i'm yeah. like why do they call it 1978 is it just because it sounds cooler <laughs> yeah it doesn't make sense i I just wonder if like they they were just making the homages that they did and then they got to kind of post and they were like you know that scream came out in that year right guys they're like no shit <laughs> they're like damn that was lucky they're like what year did friday the 13th come out and they're like oh, oh well <laughs> one out of one out of two in bad hey <laughs> 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 i really hope it's not that um <laughs> I, I i genuinely think that's what happened um but one thing that i do want to touch upon is um the killer and how he got his mask yeah. um was just hilarious yeah because it, it just makes no sense that he, he basically is having a fight in like a, a grocery you know pantry cupboard or grocery mm. cupboard and and uh it, it's ziggy isn't it he's having a fight with and they're kind of having this backwards and forwards and it's yeah 
again, I can see why they didn't, uh, just to put a pin in that for a second, I can see why they didn't have the younger kids kind of getting killed so much because it really made me feel uncomfortable when she was being attacked in that scene. Mm. Um, she's kind of being strangled and it's kind of, you know, she's trying to grab for something and she just grabs for like a, a food sack and shoves it over his head and starts to strangle him with it himself. And then he just stands up she runs away and he runs after her with the bag on his head still <laughs> and i'm like mate just take the bag off yeah it takes two seconds but but i mean it looks cool right? like, i'm, I'm I, just gonna keep this on forever yeah, now. you know what it gives me 10 percent vision and i'm not trying to hide my face like like uh, jason but i look cool right and then just went with it i'm I like it was just it's just what one it, of those things where it shouldn't have irked me, but it did. <laughs> what I think it did give him was 25% speed increase because we talked in part one how much we loved a running killer. And then for the for a vast majority of this movie, which to me was literally up until he got the sack, he was a walking slow killer, which I guess is more like Michael. So that's one of the only things that is more Halloween. Um, and then the second he gets the sack on his head, he starts sprinting at people again. <laughs> What he, so, what he can't you know what he can't do now in accuracy he can make up for in speed yeah it's just like it's because very we all bizarre know running in the dark is much better to do when you have 20 percent of your vision oh yeah i always have better vision when i'm sprinting like yeah with a bag on my head <laughs> exactly but I, you did mention the ending and that is something that i did want to talk about in a positive light because yeah i thought it was fantastic as well like it was super visceral and yeah. definitely catches you off guard of like man i really didn't expect this to go so brutal and especially like we say this, the rest of the movie is pretty tame even though there's a lot of kills and i get that we might be saying it's tame because we're like the hardcore horror fans and a lot of people might be disgusted at the amount of violence in this but to me it was a lot of it was just so dark so cg and then most of the time off screen i didn't find any of the kills impactful until those moments right at the end which i I thought really worked i think it was all to do with the pacing of it Mm. of, of that scene which which was genius because it's um you know, we've 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 watched a million horror movies. The 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 scene that I was talking about with Ziggy with when the bag goes on the head of the killer. Yeah, you can, you can tell by the numbers that, that what's going to happen there and mm. and how you know mild spoiler alert that character escapes. You know, and it was like clearly you know that's you know when you see kind of you know Jamie Lee Curtis in a struggle with Michael Myers, it's like oh you're the final girl. Like you're you're not gonna you're gonna be there to the final scenes and. um I think the um you know the 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 final kind of scenes of this movie was playing out like that where you've got these characters that are having this realization and then s- suddenly fighting back and then there's just this click turn of pace and it swings it on its head and I was like hang on did that just did that just happen did like you know that just go down like that and then it then it violently continues to go down that way mm-hmm. and I was like wow I didn't think this was going to happen like I, I honestly like shifted in my chair uncomfortably because i was like jesus christ i was not ready for this <laughs> yeah and no, that, 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 the hats off to that for that change of pace definitely like i do think the end was great i think overall like the movie starts really strong and ends really mm. strong and then like i say mm. it just has this very long lull and obviously that is where 
the most of the 1978 stuff is but it's mostly just the pacing of it where like you say we already know who well first of all we already know that there's a woman who survived mm. so that takes jeopardy out of the situation we already know what the killer looks like we already know the motivations because of the witch so the fact that like you say they spend a good 40 minutes again in this movie setting up that backstory almost as if you haven't seen part one and mm. it's like come on you have to kind of trust your audience a bit more do you've just released an hour and 45 minute movie a week before this one like they will have seen it you can trust them so you don't need to spend it they could have literally had the introductory scenes with ziggy and her sister and the counselors Mm. and the kids and then within 10 minutes there could have been kills happening and shit could have gone down and we could have immediately got to the meat of the story um and like say had those back and forths maybe cut to 1994 or more and remind us of why this story that she's Mm. telling actually matters in the grand scheme of things because you forget like i'm watching it in 1978 and i'm not as engaged with it and then i'm like oh yeah the whole point yeah i'm like the whole point of this is to help these characters that i really do like in the 90s so it is frustrating um another thing that i did really like and it's just because i'm i'm easy for this sort of thing but the the soundtrack was great for me like they absolutely nailed it when when they used um the man who sold the world right at the start of this film and it was really brief and i was like man i love that song (laughs) i wish they would use it more and then the fact that it comes back for the finale i i loved that and much like with army of the dead they just it spoke to me where i was like these are easy choices but they're working for me and i loved it and and part one had a great soundtrack as well so i think that was what's that has been the mm. most consistent thing for me across the two films where it's been clearly the most fun for both yeah. to have music of that that era being played and yeah the the, the, the that sound that song was an absolute banger and worked so well with the callback hundred percent um so yeah i guess we'll we'll kind of get into recommendations because um it's it's really difficult what what, what do think you think <laughs> one of the things i was just going to say before i mm. go into my recommendation is this is a very unique trilogy in in the the, the fact of it's being released in weekly for three weeks mm. you know this is a weird hybrid between tv and film that like we've not seen where it's not a tv show it is a film and it is a trilogy of films and I, but i kind of feel like it's now having watched part two there it's been a massive missed opportunity that the only opportunity we've had to watch part one was a week ago mm. so every person that's watched part two right now has only watched part one a week ago so Netflix and the filmmakers need to have known that and thought about that and been clever with that. And like you say, not spend so much of this movie giving you the information that you knew already. You know, when you watch um, whatever, you know, Quiet Place Part 2, we need some sort of, you know, this is what happened in Part 1 reminder because it's been years removed. Think about Candyman. They're going to be like, oh, this film that came out thirty years ago. Like, they're going to need to explain the concept of Candyman in that film to the to modern audiences. Exactly. You know, and it's just like that makes sense. But yeah, when it's literally seven days ago, you have a very different tool there. Where Mm. not only is it like if if someone's going to go see The Conjuring, Devil made me do it. Like, they don't have to see the other Conjuring movies for that. So therefore, they need to explain to you who the Warrens are. So this casual cinema goer can can kind of get that full experience without having to watch the entire goddamn extended universe of The Conjuring. Um, but with, 
you know, with this, it should be this very Netflix thing where it's like, don't watch part two until you've seen part one. Like, you don't watch episode two before you watch episode one of a TV show. Please treat it that way. We are Netflix. And and they they didn't. They They held your hand to say, all right, if you didn't watch part one, here's a little recap. Here's, um you know, here's a massive bit of storytelling that you've already had, and we're going to hold your hand a hell of a lot. And, I, you know, if it's a traditional movie, I get it, but I, I really do mark it down when, when I feel like this, is, this had the chance to be something a bit special and very different. Well, I think it's a good point um, as well, because clearly when this was designed from the writing concept they, they didn't know that these were going to be released in a week apart like that is evident and as we've discussed in the news time and time again with like fear street as a concept like this has been floating around for ages this wasn't just like netflix green lit it and it was always going to be a trilogy of movies told across a fortnight like so what you're saying is so true because that is a bad part of this release schedule and it's a release schedule which is very unique to fear street which i really do appreciate but this is a a really important point is that yeah Mm. they waste so much time because of the fact that they chose to release it this way and therefore that's the only way we can judge it because we've seen it the way that they wanted us to see it Mm. um so um we we did also have some um, comments actually on twitter relating to this movie so i'll drop these in now um from cat um of course you can always uh, contact us on twitter at shb pod um she said um i really tried to watch fear street part two honestly but i got over an hour in it and i was so bored um going to watch final girls or american horror story 1984 instead they know more about character characterization beyond stereotypes and that historical means more than more than hair and music um harsh words there from cat but i have to pretty much agree with it and i I, it's funny you brought up obviously american horror story because i I wanted to interject with that when you were talking earlier about how you know we've seen this a lot and like Mm. that was very similar to this um yeah and i feel like yeah they did do that better because you know that is all about kind of parody a bit more than this is and Mm. they kind of really played into those tropes really well um so it is an interesting thing where, and especially Final Girls, like you say, and, and again, we can list off so many different films and TV mm. shows that are aping the kind of 70s slash 80s slashers. Um, whereas, yeah. It's when funny you... though, she got so close. It, it, she got to the point where the movie did get to its best again. <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. stopped, but I don't blame you for stopping. I would say maybe watch the last 20 minutes just to see, especially if you want to watch part three, then you kind of need to see how this ends. So I think the, yeah. the last sort of 15, 20 minutes will, will tell you that story. It you won't miss much in the middle. The movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then she also said, and this is another thing I want to talk about. Um, she said, if it's you see a character climb out of a toilet, then press play from there. Job <laughs> but is for, good. The, for like the third time. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, she also goes on to say, it's bizarre to see the multitude of reactions, especially on IMDb. But the big takeaway from this I'm seeing is that people are watching and that's good get into horror folks like i think this is a really good point because Mm. i've been seeing a ton of reactions to fear street over the last two weeks in a way that i've really not seen on horror in maybe since host when people like had nothing to watch and there was like a lot of outside of the of the horror sphere were watching that and to think that we're in mid-july and they're these movies that are long movies, two yeah. movies in a week that I'm seeing a shit ton of people react to. And, and yes, the reception a real is very ton mixed. Of normal people. 
yeah that's the whole point and like Mm. the reactions like you say are very mixed because i saw some people saying like oh this is way better than 94 which got me very Mm. excited and and turns out that, that you know i don't agree with that opinion at all but i respect it and yeah like i think that this is a really good point cat's making here is that when something hits on netflix it hits like no other and they have done a brilliant job at marketing this even with like like you say there isn't big stars in this you've got a couple of familiar faces from stranger things and that's it and they have been able to sell this one like the marketing has been 10 out of 10 from netflix on this one um i think it just shows how people are so into the netflix model mm. of um you know having these releases and kind of you know how they release their tv that they're willing to accept to watch two movies in two weeks because when if the entire season of uh stranger things or or you know whatever 13 reasons why drops they're gonna just binge it over a weekend Mm. so people are happy to binge two movies over two weeks because netflix has kind of got that into our systems um and yeah it shocks me when the level of kind of violence and horror when it does appear in these is quite hardcore Mm. i think um it it, like as you were talking it did remind me how i do think that this movie like both of the movies have a real struggle with its identity where it is you know when we heard like the filmmakers talk about how fear street was this blend of like teen adult i feel like they get very confused what teen adult means because it Mm. goes very hardcore at times and very softcore at other times Mm. you know and we have kind of like in this we have kind of two or three different um like sex scenes with characters and those are even like one of them is very kind of you know pg and the other one is a little bit more hardcore and it's like i just don't understand what they're going for like yeah it's just very odd um it was very hard to make something that's not designed for the hardcore horror audience when Mm. the things that you are literally imitating and paying homage to are the hardcore horror films Mm. like it's it's very hard to make your version of friday the 13th and then be like oh no but it's the young adult take on it because what is friday the 13th it's the sex the drugs and the kills that is what friday the 13th is and if you take Mm. those things away it's not friday the 13th um so it is like say they are in a weird spot with this one i think Um, i think as well like netflix just for everything i think like their documentaries has been the most glaringly obvious thing for me that i just can't watch anymore where it is basically 10 minutes at the start a load of filler in the middle and then 10 minutes at the end. And it's been, you know, that's been the case with TV for years, but mm. Netflix has like made it egregious. And I think they're, they made it docu- an art form, haven't they? With well, the documentaries. Yeah. And their documentaries have got to the point that I can't watch them anymore. Cause it just annoys the hell out of me where I'm like, it's an eight hour documentary. That should be one hour. And I'm just going to get 10 or 15 minutes at the start and end combined of each episode. That's good. Yeah, you're, um, you're talking mostly about their like true crime stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, that's kind of what this movie is where where we get our continuation of the first movie at the start. We get a load of really slow stuff. We get a cool 20 minutes and then we get a setup for the next one. And the setup for the next one is quite egregious how how they do that as well. Mm. You know, we, we get the little, um, as we described last week, we get almost too much of a flash forward about what next week's film is going to be about. And we already have a pretty good idea of what that's going to be. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of, you know, how Netflix do it, where it's like, here's the little bait. Look, this looks good, right? You like these characters, yeah? You know, and it's exactly what they do with their documentaries. And they're now doing it with their film. And it's mm. kind of scary. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is. I really enjoyed this conversation because these aren't like other films that we've covered, and I'm for that reason I'm very thankful for these. You know, it's not an overwhelmingly mm. positive reception, especially not like part one. But I think this is a a fascinating conversation that goes into kind of releases and mm. streaming platforms and all of that stuff. And this is a very mixed bag, I will say. After two films, um, mm. I really don't know how I feel going into a part three. Um, but yeah, I guess as far as recommendations go, like what would be your recommendation? Because that's really difficult. <sighs> um, <laughs> I would say, you know, stick on part one and see how far into the journey you get. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've already watched part one last week, then I guess you're, you're in. Well, we, like, we both uh, recommended part one last week. Yeah. So let's just take that as golden. Um, yeah. where, like, what about part two? <laughs> I just don't know, man. Like, mm. I think at this point, like, we're already in a situation where, where we're thinking, there's some movies out in the cinema right now that's pretty banging. Like, and mm. obviously we're going to talk about the upcoming slate, but it's like the, the buzz for part three really isn't there like it was for part two. No. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't really recommend it beyond part one, um, you know, but it, it was fine. Like, it's not it's not terrible. <laughs> yeah i'm right there with you like i can't recommend a movie that has this much filler in it and this much stuff that i had a massive problem with um and this much even... of a drop off as well oh, definitely from, from part one because yeah like last week i mean part one was like straight in my top 10 for the year and was like i really 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 like this movie and now we discuss time and time again with these sequels especially mm, we were talking about sequels that, that come within a year well what about a sequel that comes within a week like it has soured me already and yeah. If I see if if part three is like dreadful, like one hour fifty of just awfulness, then my overall experience has been so soured at that point, and it'll be so hard for me to remember how much I enjoyed part one. Mm. Um, so it is difficult. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't recommend this one on its own. I feel like I would have to see part three and then be like, right, is the trilogy worth watching? Otherwise, it'd just be a watch the first one. It was great. Don't worry about the um, the uh, little cliffhanger at the end of the movie. Just ignore it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just pretend everyone died. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we did have a question as well about um, more about R.L. Stein. So we'll get to that very shortly. Um, but for now, that was our discussion on part two, 1978. Uh, we will take a short break and we will be right back. Yeah, we did have some listener feedback this week. Of course, you can always um, email us at superhorrorbrospodcast at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, we did have a question from Sean actually kind of relating to all of this Fair Street slash Goosebumps mm. stuff. Um, he says, hello, Matt and Mike. Um, I have no familiar familiarity with this writer at all, talking about R.L. Stein. Um, I've seen the first Goosebumps movie, but passed it off as horror for kids. Um, that's what it is, definitely. Mm. Um, I had no idea that there was an entire series of books and TV shows, among other things. How were you exposed to these works? Did you watch the tv shows first and then read the books or was it the other way around um i remember reading king before seeing any of his movies but that is probably the closest parallel um yeah this is a fascinating question because i need to ask you this question mike because in my mind i can't separate the two like my memories of goosebumps are mm. watching the tv show and reading the books pretty much in parallel at the same time so do you do you remember if, um, if like, we were introduced to one or the other first i was introduced to the books first right um i think 
with me being a bit older, you were probably introduced to the TV show when I started watching it. Mm. Um, and and was just kind of like, this is cool. And I was like, here's some books, bro. They do book too. Because, yeah, I vividly remember reading all of the books. Um, mm. It's kind of hilarious that I kind of remember them as the first books that I ever read, like, on my own. Yeah, I do as um, well. And and um, I think a lot of kids did. <laughs> yeah, and, and they were kind of like, yeah, the, these first books that I read. And I remember just, like, they were a perfect length where – which is probably just because of my slight kind of amnesia that I get where um, uh, I um, would would read one a night mm. and, and just kind of like it was the perfect length for me to read one a night and um, would, would just kind of do that on loop with the ones I had and was slowly trying to get the entire collection of them all and that we were in them when the original series came out and kind of, they were slowly building it. And for, for some weird reason, which I'll never know, they stopped at number 62 and then decided to hard resets, mm-hmm. um, which is funny on the numbers. I can only think, think it was around about the year 2000 and they did like the 2000 series. Yeah, they did. Didn't um, they? Yeah. But it was so weird that they stopped at 62. Mm. Um, but yeah, I vividly remember the books and reading all of the books and then kind of, because my memory of the TV show was that visualization of these books that I had read a lot and kind of being like, they're doing it came from beneath the sink. Like how the hell are they going to do this? And like seeing their version where I, where I did have a version in my head already. So yeah. And like my version of slappy and then seeing their version and mm. how close they were to each other. Um, so it was, my first experience of what a lot of people have had with Stephen King, where it's like for years people have been like, well, this is what it looks like or whatever from a Stephen King book. And then seeing it on the big screen, this was my first book to screen experience where I was like, yeah, like, um, uh, what the hell is it? Haunted mask. You know, Hmm. I had a picture of what the haunted mask looked like in my mind when I read it. And then, um, uh, you know seeing the tv show then i got that version of it so yeah that was my experience of goosebumps for sure well one of the best things about goosebumps as well was the iconic book covers like they were as iconic as the stories like i don't know who did the artwork for for the original goosebumps books but like yeah they were what drew you in as a kid and i remember seeing those classic covers like you mentioned with the haunted mask and like monster blood and it was just so like they were so cool as a kid where it was just this bizarre comic book style and it really drew you in. And especially because it was like, oh, it's a little bit creepy, but I'm allowed to read it. It's designed for me, um, which was always the appeal of Goosebumps. But yeah, it's funny you mention it, Sean, if you have no familiarity with them, because it's not something I'd remotely recommend to adults um, that are into no. horror or not. Like it's purely something that I love from my childhood, pure nostalgia for the books and the TV show. And I, I liked the first movie. I didn't see the second one, um, but it was just purely a time and a place when I watch it. Like I say, I've rewatched the TV show recently and it just, it puts me back in that, that time yeah. and a place. Um, and that's why like, I would love to see them redo it. Obviously there's been so many talks about a Goosebumps TV show and I would love for someone like Netflix to pick it up because yeah, I would like to see, a modern take on that um i think i think the thing is though goosebumps as a book series and as a tv show um and and the, and the movies um are a fantastic gateway for horror fans that do have children 
um, because I think it was our gateway, even though we were watching the crazy shit at the same time. Yeah. But like, I think it really is a gateway to like, you know, if you are kind of introducing a child to kind of horror, I think kind of the Goosebump books and the TV show is a really good way of doing that. And, and, you know, the, the TV show definitely does toe the line, especially mm. in the, the latter part of the series as, as a whole. Um, but but yeah, I think I think that's the purpose that it serves, and to this day is the best kind of gateway that you can you can give someone. Yeah, for um, sure. I think I mentioned that a few weeks ago. That kind of mm. that definitely was one of the main factors because yes, I was watching The Hills of Ice Part Two as a child, but I wasn't watching it every week. <laughs> you know, that was like a very distinct memory of occasionally every few months watching these horror movies. Whereas Goosebumps was like part of my daily routine, like part of my school routine mm. was Goosebumps. So, yeah, for sure, it helped with that. Um, he also mentioned he was talking about Black Widow. Um, how much he very much enjoyed it. Um, yeah, we haven't seen it yet. We're gonna be seeing it this week um so maybe we'll talk about it next week so we've not talked about marvel for a while maybe we'll stick mm. at the end of the show obviously it's the loki finale um the day that this podcast airs so um maybe we'll talk about that next week as well because i do have some thoughts on that there loki um as it comes That's to an end um so yeah maybe we'll do maybe we'll talk about that next week um and yeah he also says you're doing a great job with the podcast doing the lol and look forward to uh, the next few weeks when we get a new horror every weekend um yeah, pretty busy schedule. We will get to that very shortly to end the show. Um, We're looking forward to it too, though. <laughs> yes, 100% to get back in the cinema. Um, but yeah, we just have another email that literally came in as we were recording. Um, on the buzzer, pal, on the buzzer. So yeah, Cody, you just got in in time. Um, and I haven't really had a chance to proofread this yet, so hopefully <laughs> there's nothing crazy in here. Um, but it seems like he wants to talk about <laughs> a certain trailer. Don't give Cody that ammunition, because he'll do it next week now. <laughs> yeah, he's going to re- re- like try and work out what time we record in the UK yeah, for him. Matt, um, Matt, will, Matt will read whatever you put if you send it later. <laughs> so true um but yeah he wants to talk about this the uh, don't breathe 2 trailer that we had a lot of thoughts on one of our most extended news segments recently where we pretty much tore it apart let's be honest it wasn't a spin-off uh podcast episode like the (laughs) it probably (laughs) should have been um but yeah we tore that bad boy apart um and yeah yeah, i felt a bit guilty after it but you know we had some thoughts um so i'm curious what what side of the fence cody's going to be on here um he says uh dear super horror brosives um i was very curious about your reasons for all i think he likes the trailer um i was very (laughs) curious about your reasons for not liking the trailer for don't breathe 2 um and i agree with many of your sentiments i am still hopeful that the movie will not be a dumpster fire hopefully um that we can both agree on cody um i think you're spot on with questioning why the film was even made i don't think the original warranted a sequel and i agree with your sentiments on that i also agree that the trailer was very choppy it feels like certain parts of the trailer didn't fit in um i think the fact that fede had to make a tweet to clarify some of the trailer was also kind of a red flag for the movie um yeah we discussed that in the news that was the whole thing like very problematic i thought um he goes on to say however the one good thing for this trailer is that we do get to see Stephen lang beat up some people um it looks like there will be some intense action sequences i hope they live up to that from the first movie um if there was ever going to be a follow-up to don't breathe it should have been a prequel i think a prequel would have better served fans of don't breathe um and if fede was helming it it could have been something truly spectacular um yeah interesting like because we've discussed it and i still think you know i think you agree as well cody that it is just like a perfect movie that shouldn't be touched upon Mm. but where yeah when you think about the story of don't breathe and especially with the angle that they're taking the blind man 
um he could have easily been a sympathetic character in a prequel um and and you could have perhaps shown why he became clearly the villain that we saw in don't breathe Mm. um as opposed to setting it past these incredibly villainous things he done in the first movie and now again only according to this trailer who knows they could be trolling us but but positioning him in a very different position in the movie which is very odd um Mm. But uh, and then he goes on to say, um, "Fear Street, loved 1994. Uh, I thought it was a great homage to Scream and the slasher genre in general. So much gore and great gags all around. The meat slicer kill was fucking insane and made my jaw drop. Um, 78 is also an incredible movie. Um, I loved it to a follow up of 94, and I think the surplus of gore and kills made it even better than 94. I will always be a shady sider at heart. All the best, mm-hmm. Cody. Um, yeah, well, I'm really glad you liked it, Cody. And you're not alone. Like I have seen." I was definitely seen more positive reaction to 78 than I have negative. Um, and it is a bit of a shame. Like I am always disappointed when I'm kind of like on the side of not liking these movies again, not that I hated 78. I get that we literally just spoke about it, but like, I didn't hate it. I just didn't like it as much as 94. Um, I think one of the things for me was behind the curtain with, with watching, um, 78, I watched it in two sittings and, in the first sit-in, I got to kind of like the end of the slow drawn out bit mm. and was very much like, I don't really want to watch the end of this movie. If I wasn't doing it for the podcast, I don't know whether I would. Mm. But when I actually watched the the, the remainder of the movie, I, ha- I had a blast for that remainder bit because I just had the fun stuff and I didn't have all of the other stuff. So like, I can see why Cody had a great time with it and other people will because that whole you know like i say when the bus leaves i think that's when the movie gets really good and is really enjoyable Mm. um and does have a really baller ending um it yeah it's just that when i have to put the movie together as a whole i have to remember that first experience that i had as well and and kind of you know it's one of those things as well the more you start to pick at it the more it does come apart but i think if you're just here for the kills and a good time like there are kills and a good time in this movie yeah for sure it's just it's just the you know um it just took too long for me to get to that moment yeah um but yeah thank you very much for that one cody that was some great feedback there um and yeah kind of to finish off the show talking about our upcoming schedule Mm. um rather bizarrely um we're not gonna be doing part three next week (laughs) (laughs) after all this talk um even if i think this was like as good as part one we probably weren't gonna do it because so cinema horror is obviously (laughs) (laughs) obviously cinema horror is something that we adore it's what we look forward to and we had that return where we had the kind of triple threat of movies and it was great and then what we've been away from the cinema for like four or five weeks at this Mm. point um which has been a little bit bizarre because they're open and i'm going to be going a shit ton very very soon um but yeah these we are getting a lot of releases so in the uk this friday we have two releases funny enough which is just great um we have the forever purge like we talked about kind of two Mm -hmm. weeks after the uh the us release um as well as uh the sequel escape room tournament of champions um 
So they're both out this week. We know that Old is coming the week after. Um, I believe the week after that is The Green Knight, the A24 fantasy horror movie. Um, and then I think the week after that might be that movie Profile that we were excited oh, for as well. Um, yeah. But who knows about that one? Because that one apparently came out in May in the in the States, and I've not seen a single soul talk about it. Let us know, Sean, if you saw this one, Profile. Um, but yeah, like we were super hyped for that, and it seemed to just mm. disappear off the face of the earth. So. Yeah, heard a single person talk about it like um crazy if it did actually come out in may definitely but the other ones for sure are coming out especially those first three which are Mm. definitely free horror movies in the next two weeks so we're probably gonna see the purge and then we'll probably see old which means we're gonna have to leave escape room and just hope that it's still there in a couple of weeks um or even failing that if green knight is out on the 30th we we just might not get to escape room (laughs) um but and also we want to obviously see part three like i'm invested Mm. now like regardless of what happens i need to see how the story ends um but it's it's similar ish to army of the dead not the same because obviously we are more invested because we're like two parts through the trilogy but at the end of the day the netflix films aren't going to go anywhere like like the on-demand stuff it's great to have on-demand stuff that we Mm. actually want to see but cinema is going to take precedent it just has to you know and we want to and it's very exciting for us so um yes it looks like cinema horror for the next three to potentially five weeks um crazy which I'm I'm incredibly excited about, man. Like it's been a long time. Like we've I've not been in the cinema since The Conjuring. Um, so I'm I'm excited for Black Widow, um, as well as the horror movies coming out. And like, there's a lot of big releases. Like Suicide Squad's just around the corner. Wow. Um, big big films are coming that I cannot wait for. Um, and then last but not least, just before we end the show, obviously we keep talking about TV and how like all of these horror shows are like just around the corner. Well, one actually does start this week, um, kind of. <laughs> so American Horror Stories, the spinoff, which I'm very much excited for, starts this Thursday in the States. And two days before the airing of that we still don't know what's happening in the uk because basically the very short story is it's on hulu in the states hulu is owned by disney in the uk there is no hulu but they have what they call star on disney plus which is supposed to be their version of where those shows go and it has been talked about of american horror stories and season 10 being on star in the uk but if you search for it on the app as of literally an hour ago it's not on there there is no i've googled it i've searched on twitter there is no confirmation um Mm. so maybe we'll be back on the old vpns next week but either way (laughs) we'll be talking about it because i'm really excited for this one um yeah i mean they have you know disney have put all of walking dead on there so Mm -hmm. you know you gotta hope that 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 trend you know would continue but it kind of feels like they would chuck all of american horror story on there like Mm. a month or so ago to get you hyped for this but it just seems like they haven't really built the hype for this this season have they no, yeah, they would have at least off. said at this point, like I say, we're well, less yeah, than two days that. away. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I feel like if it's going to come to the UK, that it will come on Star on Disney Plus, but it will just randomly come like October when season 10 is already halfway through or towards the end, um, mm. which I'm not waiting that long because I want to see it right now. Um, so long. we'll be going, no, we'll be going to our classic other methods of watching these shows. Um, but yeah great tv shows look forward to cannot wait to be in the cinema um and yeah that was what episode was this 256 uh thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone
Cause I never could, and how could I start that?